Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, I know you've all just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand again as we honor the Word of God. I'm going to read two passages. They are in the U version notes. If you don't follow along on U version, it's really helpful. You can make notes in there, save them every week. And I'm going to read two scriptures that are from there one from John and one from Peter. This is the John 21, verse 15 to 17 passage. When they, that's the disciples, had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Please take your seats. So the last two weeks, we've been exploring together this whole concept of created for community. Rosemary introduced us to the fact that God is a community, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are three, yet one. They belong together. And we, made in his image and likeness, therefore, need and are created for community. We cannot be the best we are meant to be without community. Then last week, Pastor John, he challenged us and encouraged us to do the hard work of community. He talked about commitment, forgiveness, vulnerability, and creating it because it's worth the work. So today, I want to speak on this subject, cultivating community. How can we cultivate a healthy environment where community can flourish, can grow and thrive? And I want to start by asking you a question. Here's the question. Do you love your church? You can answer or not, that's fine. Thanks anyway. Now, initially, I plan to ask that question in in a more generic form. Do you love this church or do you love the church? To kind of keep it a little bit more distant and remote. But then I thought, no. I want you to own it. I want to be upfront and personal in your face today. All smile at me. As far as I can tell, and my motives are pure and I do understand motives are a murky pool, but I'm speaking about this subject because I genuinely want something for you, not from you. And the four is I do believe that if you can be 
connected in community authentically, meaningfully, then you will flourish in life. You will be safer, you will be stronger, you'll be more spiritual if you connect. Now, some of you, if you're only at this point, and if you're online watching or in Colchester, very Edmonds, if you simply just attend at the moment, don't run away after this. Although I'm going to be challenging, don't run away. Stay around because one day we hope that you'll make that journey in. So we're all at different places. So I'm not trying to frighten anyone off by this. Although Jesus did that a few times in some of the message he spoke about. But keep attending. But attendance is not what we're looking for. We stole it from someone else. You know it. I've said it a gazillion times. And I'm going to keep saying it because it was good. We stole it from Pastor Daniel Rolf. We do not want you to attend C3. We want you to be C3. So, do you love your church? Now, I know the church belongs to Jesus, so don't come up and tell me it's not my church, it's Jesus' church. I didn't die for it. I know. But I want you to be so part of it that if one part rejoices, you're rejoicing. If one part's mourning, you're mourning. And that happens all at the same time. And so over here you have to mourn, and over there you have to rejoice. And that's okay because we're connected. We're a body, we're a family. Jesus, after the resurrection, reinstated Peter. That's the passage that we read. And he asked him three times, do you love me? And every time Peter replies, he replies in the affirmative. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And you can sense, can't you, reading it, the frustration in Peter's voice. But every time Jesus replies to him, What he tells Peter to do is to feed, care, and tend for the sheep. So he's going to, Peter is going to demonstrate his love for Jesus by how he acts towards the flock of God. How he treats God's household, God's people, is going to be an indicator of his love for Jesus. Now, I also know this. This is a specific reinstating of Peter. We could look at the Greek words, which are very interesting. Two different Greek words are used for love in this passage, phileo and agape. We could look and and explore why did he do it three times to reinstate uh, Peter because he denied Jesus three times. All of that's interesting. So I know it's specific to Peter, but the principle still applies right the way through Scripture. That the way I can tell, if you really love Jesus is how you treat your brother and how you treat your sister and how you treat your fellow man. Now, Jesus made that very clear, didn't he? When he said, "Love," this this is what the, the law hangs on. Everything about the law hangs on this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on that. And I know your neighbor is more than your fellow believer. But nevertheless, it includes your fellow believer. So you can't, you haven't got the option, guys, to lift up your hands and say, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, but I cannot stand my neighbor next to me. (laughs) Amen. He stole my chair. I hate his guts. Let me be a sweet. You can't do that. You cannot say, I love God, but I cannot stand his kids. You've got to get along. We've got to get along. So to Peter, then he says, look after my sheep. 
I believe Jesus is saying that to us. Look after one another. Care for one another. Tend to one another. There are, in the New Testament, 59 different commands, and some of them are repeated, that have to do with one another. The most often repeated is this, love one another. It doesn't say love people that are like you. Middle class, grey bearded, shaven headed individuals. It says love one another. Love one another. That's the one that's repeated the most. Now, there's 59, so I'm going to go through all 59, one minute each, just about get you out of here in the next hour. No, I'm just going to do one. Because I think this one is the one that will really help us to cultivate community. Here it is. This is Romans 15, verse 7. Here's the one. Accept one another. Accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Acceptance can be difficult to define, but unmistakable when you experience it. It's obviously revealed by words and actions. It involves gratitude for the people that are in front of you. It's, it's an expression, I'm glad you're alive and I want the very best for you. See, when I said, do you love your church? I know some of you are thinking, oh, here he goes again, all about C3. I don't think we're the perfect church. I've got a list of things I pray for most days that are about some of our imperfections. I do not think we're the perfect church. And people get a bit jittery when you start saying, I'm loving the church. No, no. With all the foibles and inadequacies, you can still love anyway. Let me ask two questions. You ready? This is for the women in the house who are married. Would any woman who is married to an imperfect man please stand now? To an imperfect man. Guys, some of the women that aren't standing, just look how, look how much they think of you. They think you're perfect. Alan, you're perfect. Alan Mitchell is a perfect man, ladies and gentlemen. I knew there was one. But those of you that stood and haven't got perfect husbands, do you love them anyway? That wasn't as loud as, as people stood up. Do you love them anyway? Yes. Yes, you do. Now, let's, for the sake of equality, would any married man who's married to the perfect woman please stand now? You're married to the perfect woman. Come on. I was trying to give you guys some kudos for the day. I was trying to help you. Some of you heard me say that the family of origin that I, I grew up in with my parents and, and siblings, we had nicknames for one another. And they kind of related a little bit to some of our weaknesses. So my dad had an extremely low opinion of himself. He never thought he was good enough for anything. He was a good man. So to help him with his 
self-confidence. We came up with a nickname for him. Rotten Ron. But we kind. I know that's not politically correct. That's what we called him, Rotten Ron. My sister, who might be in the second service here today, we called her Pooey Pamela. No details. <laughs> My brother was... <laughs> this is not politically correct, I know, but this was just our family. He was Divvy Dave. Are you watching Dave online? Divvy Dave. Again, self-explanatory. My mom, see, she was different than my dad. She didn't lack self-confidence. She was a five-foot, nothing, little fiery woman who would have a go at anyone. So we called her Big Ed Beryl. <laughs> and every time we saw BB, you know, when you go around, you see BB for breakfast. There's your name, Mum, Big Ed Beryl. And then, of course, there was me. Now, my memory's faded a little bit. I think it was... I think it was Super Steve. <laughs> but my sister will tell you it was stinky. So there we go. With all our foibles, we loved one another. For years, my family have mocked me. This is my wife and I and our children now. Because I like to be somewhere on time. Well, the reality is, if I'm 10 minutes early, I feel like I'm late already. So when we go for a flight somewhere, if it says three hours to be there before, then you get there at least three and a half hours before. Not 40 minutes. <laughs> but I know they love me anyway with my foible. Yeah, <laughs> front row, please respond. My point's simply this. We accept one another as we are. I'm going to go to a passage of Scripture. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to... We're going to do a drama. You ready? This is, I think, one of the most beautiful passages to show acceptance in the whole of the New Testament, and it involves Jesus. What happens is Jesus is sitting down in the temple courts. This is John chapter 8. When a rabbi taught, they sat down. So there's lots of people that are listening in, and as he's sitting down, some men bring a woman who they've caught in adultery. So they've caught this woman in the act. I've asked for a volunteer, God bless her, to represent this woman caught in adultery. Now, some say that the woman would have been naked. For purposes of illustration, I didn't think that was suitable today. <laughs> So, some say they probably put some kind of sheet around her to cover her. <laughs> but this woman, John 8, was actually caught by some men who'd clearly been watching in the window while she's in the act of an adulterous relationship. At least three men, the three men please come. And these three men, I say why at least three men? Because it has to be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses if it's going to be that we've caught her. And they've got their stones ready and they're enjoying this far too much. <laughs> and so they come to Jesus, different age groups. Bible tells us that in John 8. They bring this woman out, 
and they're trying to trap Jesus. I'm, I'm playing Jesus, okay? <laughs> and they say to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The Lord of Moses. Now, as soon as you bring out Moses, this is the trump card. This is the one who got the law. This is the lawgiver. Moses' law says if we catch a woman in the act of adultery, she has to be stoned to death. And they say to Jesus, that's what the law says. What do you say? Now, this is a trap for Jesus. All the people are watching on. Because if Jesus says, stoner, well, he's as vicious and hard-hearted as them. Get rid of this woman. But if he says, let her go, then he's refusing to acknowledge the law of Moses. So either way, they've got him. So Jesus kneels down, and it says he starts to write in the dirt. Oh, I love the commentaries that tell us what they think he might have been writing. Some say he might have been writing the Ten Commandments. One, two. Some say he was writing maybe in the dirt the sins of the guys looking on. Jacob looked far too long at this adulterous relationship going on through the window. Some say, because it's what they did in Roman times, that the judge used to write out the verdict first. Some say he was writing out the verdict before he then stood up to give the edict. Steve Campbell says, I think he was writing Jesus was here. I know I'm the most shallow of all the ones I just mentioned, but that's what Steve Campbell thinks. Jesus was here, okay, exclamation mark, smiley face. That's what I'd have written, wouldn't you? No, okay, clearly not. We don't know what he was writing. But then he stands up, and this is what he says to them effectively. Go on. Go on, stoner. But one condition. Let the one who's never fallen throw the first stone. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. Give me one of your stones. Why is the church so good at throwing stones? I realize in my life I've been a great stone thrower. Oh, the nice shiny stones, but they're still stones. I'm going to read to you a passage from a book by uh, John Orberg, and it really struck me as I read it. Let me read it to you. He says, I think of a church, he writes, I was part of many years ago where many people, not all but too many, were just cold. They didn't dance, they didn't laugh, they had little capacity for joy. But there's one thing they enjoyed, and I, I related to this, passing judgment on the spiritual inferiority of others. Some of these kids were a little wild. Pick up a stone. Some of these marriage wasn't working. Another stone. The music pastor chose the wrong kind of song or played it too loudly. Another stone. Somebody crossed a line, violated a code, had a problem. Word spread. People picked up stones. 
The truth is, though they would never admit it, it energized them, gathering stones. They looked forward to it. Then he tells this story. Some time ago, I worked at a Baptist church that had a sudden large influx, influx of unchurched people. Oh, please, God. They sometimes preferred music and language and living arrangements and beverages that came up as an unpleasant shock to folks who'd been around the church all their lives. So we brought in an expert, a New Testament professor known as Dr. B, to talk about community and grace. A stone thrower at the back complained to Dr. B about how she did not approve much of these newcomers and complained, shouldn't they clean up their act before they come to church? Dr. B can get quite passionate about this subject, and he did. If you want to go to church where such people are not welcome and never darken the door, he said, you will find many such churches in any city. You may attend there if you wish, but who will welcome those who are far from church? What about, and here Dr. B, off the top of his head, whipped off a long string of adjectives I can only partly remember. He said, what about chain smoking, adult channel watching, playboy reading, whiskey guzzling, wife swapping, tax cheating, child neglecting, SOBs? There was a long pause. People were not expecting that term from a New Testament professor. Then out of the silence, one of the deacons in the back asked, you mean... Sons of Baptists, SOBs. And Altberg asks, who will welcome the sons of Baptists? Judgmentalism. I got really good at that. You're not like me. Throw a stone. You tripped up again. Throw a stone. Jesus... looks at the woman, then looks at the guy and says, go on then, I told you, you can throw one condition. Let the one who's never thrown, let the one who's never fallen, throw the first stone. And it says, from the oldest to the youngest, they slipped away. And now Jesus, well, back to the start, see, it started with a man and a woman alone together. Now we're back to it again. Another man, same woman. And he says to her, they haven't condemned you. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he doesn't approve of her sin, but he accepts her as she is. So he tells her to go and live a different lifestyle. And we all like that. Of course we do. But he says, I accept you as you are, and I give you the power to change because I believe in you, and I am for you, and I'm glad you're on this planet. 
And the Pharisees thought there was two groups of people, see, the righteous, that's them, and the unrighteous, the clean ones and the dirty ones. But Jesus says, no, 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 there is two groups of people. There's sinners and the sinners that know they're forgiven. Go and sin no more. You're accepted. You're accepted. Thank you. Let me read that verse to you again that I started with. But it gives glory to God. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. See, one of the reasons, I want you to get this clear, I really wish I had more time, but what we're meant to do in the church is cover one another's sins. Not cover up one another's sins by way of ignoring them, but cover over. See, a cover up is based on deceit and lies. A cover over is, you know what they've done but we're not going to mention it again. We're not going to keep bringing it up because we accept you as you are. When you know to whom someone belongs or even an inanimate object when it belongs to someone else, if you were raised like me, which is a good thing, you treat it with more respect, don't you? If it's not mine, if I'm just borrowing it, I treat it with, many years ago, I'll tell you this story, someone lent us uh, an ice cream maker. We'd picked up, we'd picked strawberries. And some people down the road, they had this ice cream maker. This is about 20 years ago. I remember this vividly because we wanted to borrow it to make some strawberry ice cream. So Ange made the strawberry ice cream, but the guy said to me when he gave it to me, his name was Martin, he said, whatever you do, whenever you take the ice cream out of the ice cream dish, don't use a metal spoon because it's Teflon and you'll scratch it. Don't use a metal spoon, just put it out with a wooden spoon. Yeah, of course, so I told Ange that, I think. And, and I'd been preparing for my Sunday morning message um, and she was in the other room, so I came out, I think Liverpool had won on match of the day, 3-1, that was my preparation. And I came out and there she is scooping out the ice cream with a metal spoon. And I said, Ange, what are you doing? That's Martin. Don't use, use a wonder spoon. Oh, no, she said. Looked at it, and there was a big scratch all the way up the side. So that night, Ange didn't sleep very well. She was trying to find online the same container. And they wanted the ice cream container back. And we said, oh, oh yeah, we'll, we'll get it to you in a few days because we were waiting for it to come. And it came, and then we went round to them, and we told them. We said, look, we've got one with a scratch on. Let's call it Scar. And then this other one which is brand new, was sorry. He said, oh, thank you so much. You needn't have bought us a brand new one. He said, oh, we wanted to buy you a new one. It was our mistake. The next Sunday, we parked next to their car. And I heard Martin shout from the seat as his kids opened the door, whatever you do, don't scratch the Campbell's car because you'll have to buy them a new one. <laughs> you see, my wife was super conscientious because it didn't belong to her. It was someone else's. Hamilton said it so beautifully before about being a steward of Asher. 
if you belong to Jesus, I'll treat you with respect and with dignity. Oh, and you keep slipping up. I'll accept you and say, go and sin no more. How many times? Well, if you're counting, you've got a problem. Lots of times. 70 times 7, Jesus suggested. Don't hear this. This is a risky message because it's about grace. Grace is always risky. But I'm always going to take the risk with grace because God did with me. Bow our heads, close our eyes. Here's my message. Accept one another. And watch how community will burst into life. We want you to get into groups. I want you to get into groups. And I hope there's some people in there that you really don't like. Because you've got to accept them and you'll be the better person. And you'll actually find, oh, they're not as bad as I thought. It was my judgmentalism that put them in a box. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart right now and drop the stone that you need to drop. Where you're condemning. Where you're hard-hearted. Where you've got unforgiveness. Where you're saying, because they're not like me, I can't accept them. Yes, you can. Accept them in the Beloved. In Jesus. Still with the heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to ask this. If there's anyone in the room or anyone maybe watching online, or maybe in any of the other locations, you've never given your life to Jesus, you can do that now. You can accept Jesus because he's accepted you. And that starts with the prayer. And it starts with facing your own inadequacies. I think that woman realized that at last, a man that looks at me with dignity and respect, and he didn't condemn me. If he doesn't condemn me, why should I condemn myself? I'm going to pray a prayer that's a prayer of commitment to Jesus. We're all going to pray it out loud. And if you prayed it for the first time or recommitting to Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand at the end and say, yes, I decided today to come back or to come to Jesus. He'll accept you. And then we'd love to give you a gift of a Bible to celebrate with you. Pray this with me. Ready? Pray out loud, church. Say this. Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing love. Thank you that you left heaven to die on a cross for me. Thank you that you forgive my sin. I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Come into my life. Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.